It is a center for higher learning. Hello and welcome to the Good Friends of Jackson Elias. Meow. It is a place with centuries of secrets in its shadowed halls. <laughs> a regular podcast about Call of Cthulhu. This is where you have come to learn the mysteries of the cosmos. Horror films and horror gaming in general. Welcome Hello? to the Miskatonic University. Good friends of Jackson Elias. It is a place of higher learning. Is a, it is a place that you can't remember the, <laughs> oh, your own intro because you forgot the file to play. Can somebody lock the doors now, please? Okay, I think we got it. That is the high degree of professionalism for which we become known. It sure is. <laughs> so, welcome everybody to the Good Friends of Jackson Elias and the Miskatonic University Podcast Live! So I have, the, I have the pleasure of welcoming Mr. Matt Sanderson, Mr. Hello. Scott Dorwood. Hello. Keeper Chad. I'm Keeper Chad. And Keeper John this time. Yay. And not forgetting Keeper Merv. Hello. All right. <laughs> now today's show is a little different. We're going to do a whole bunch of topics, not just one. You don't just get one for your money today. You get like a bunch. <laughs> Depends how many we get through, right? So the first one that I'm going to invite people to speak on from the panel, and we're going to be strict on time because that's how we work. <laughs> the editor <laughs> laughs loudest. Lovecraft stories would make terrible Call of Cthulhu scenarios. That is the motion. All right. Now I'm going to speak. I'm going to ask for the motion. In favor of the motion, Keeper Chad, Keeper John, and Mr. Matthew Sanderson to speak for no more than three minutes. And they're going to start now. So, Keeper Chad, would you like to kick us off? Oh, sure. Lovecraft scenario, Lovecraft stories would make horrible scenarios. First of all, they are short stories. First of all, or let's say second of all, they are also about internal life. And how do you do internal life quietly inside yourself with no relationships, very poorly drawn relationships between, between people? And role-playing games are actually about relationships between people. So the best thing to do is to pull inspiration out of that. And if our opponents like to argue that in, uh, scenarios inspired by the stories are a great idea. I would agree, but they are not scenarios from the stories. Matt, what would you like to add to that? Oh, I looked at a few examples to, uh, to prove my point here. And taking all the gump out of them, let's think of a handful of these. Dagon, you float around in the boat, see a uh, sea creature, throw yourself out of a window. Yay. Uh, the Call of Cthulhu, read a load of newspaper clippings, realize you're going to get killed for doing it. Uh, the colour out of space, find a rock, hit your garden, shit happens, you can't stop. Yeah, because that's fun. Uh, the name of the city, wander around and get eaten by a crocodile monster. And the temple. Choice between suffocation in a submarine or going off into, um, into an underwater temple. Yay, fun. Uh, it boils down to you're unable to decide your own actions, uh, you watch interesting stuff happening to others, because, yeah, that's fun in an RPG, isn't it? Yay. Uh, but there are a couple of small things you could say in favour. Things like the Dunwich Horror, that's about... That would be my one example of a uh, scenario to go around. But on the whole, nah, they would be shit scenarios. <laughs> All right. And keep it John. Uh, not much to add to that. That Yes, these would be uh, terrible scenarios because of the, uh, the scope, and it's not, uh, it doesn't involve enough people, I don't feel. I, I, they're just, they're too much introspection and not enough uh, external uh, conflict. Okay. So, well, I guess we seed our do time. Do we agree? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Concision. All right. So, the fonts of wisdom now, we have Keeper Murph and uh, 
my friend here, Scott Dawood, is going to speak against the motion. Off you go. Okay, well, I, I think... If you're talking about the fact that the structure of Lovecraft stories don't represent uh, Call of Cthulhu scenarios, you're being fairly selective with your reading. Because, I mean, you have stories which involve investigation and action, like uh, The Shadow of Rinsmith and The Whisper in Darkness. Uh, and, uh, yes, all right, you might argue that it's a single protagonist there. But then you even have party structure, to a lesser extent, in The Lurking Fear and The Rats in the Walls. You, you have action scenes, the core of, well, obviously, any good Call of Cthulhu scenario. Uh, in things like uh, Pickman's model, again, The Shadow of Rinsmith, The Horror at Red Hook, and, and again, you know, Rats in the Walls, plenty of action in there. And, and also, uh, sorry, I, I, I must pick you up here, Matt. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about how The Call of Cthulhu would make a terrible uh, scenario. It's a what, box what, full of paper. What, what was the last thing you wrote for you know, The Idol of Cthulhu? <laughs> a sequel to it. <laughs> so, okay, right, yes. <laughs> All right, let me hand over to Keeper Murph. Am I for or against this one? I forget. <laughs> well, I can see you have strong opinions on this matter. It's, it's very. Uh, you're speaking yeah. against the motion that that they would make good. You know, basically, your argument that they would make good scenarios. Against that, right? <laughs> Scott is on your side. Scott will advise you now. Uh, Scott has just given up at this stage. <laughs> Pay no heed to the man behind the curtain. Right. Yeah, I don't think that they would make the greatest scenarios. Oh, and the, the main reason... <laughs> this is where the rest of our time went. Yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, I can go either way here, honestly. Yeah, but you bring it on, bring it on. Yeah. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm okay. jump ship here. This is the whole Great. fainting thing that really annoys the heck out of me. Okay. Uh, you know, every Lovecraftian major character has a fainting spell right at the wrong moment. Yeah. Um, it never happens in a game. Well, that's many, not true. Well, no, no, rarely no, it's one of the sound effects. In a game. Well, I mean, I mean, actually, it happens a lot when you have a bout of madness. Mm. Sometimes one of the one of the things happens. Yeah, but they don't. Yeah, but they don't just faint. You know, in the stories, they just like collapse and that's it, and they wake up nine hours later and something horrible no, actually, has happened. There's a mechanic for that where where somebody faints <laughs> and then they wake up nine hours later. But that's we don't actually. Use it. <laughs> right? No one uses it though. No one uses the rules. <laughs> what? No one uses You've the rules. You've wasted your life, Paul. <laughs> well, I know that, but I'm here, aren't I? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to draw that to a close. So, <laughs> has anybody got any like rebuttals to that? I don't think they have. Anybody oh, yeah, we've the, both switched sides. Yeah. yeah. Any, anybody in the audience want to chip in and have a, like a, a valid... Oh, 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 what does this guy oh, know about now it? Now here this, we go. Oh, this man in okay, the front row. Okay, so here, I'm going to invite Mr. Mike Mason to, you know, put forth his wisdom here. The, 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 the chaps who are saying they don't make uh, good uh, RPG scenarios because they're based around a single protagonist... What about solo play scenarios? Why, why don't you write one that would cover that in the solo scenario? Oh, solo so, scenarios are great. I just think if you use the Lovecraft scenario, it would be a really bad one. Yeah, so the argument being that, you know, solo scenarios would cover this. Well, and I would say that solo scenarios are going to have uh, more focus on the character's growth externally with the world around them. But do they have to? No. Well, I th- could, they, could they not just be a purely an internal... I suppose it could, and then at the end, yeah, you could just say, "No, you just woke up." <laughs> it would be, it would be the, it would, it would be the Dallas. The da- oh, it's Dallas the RPG. Yeah, there's an idea. There you go. There you go. Don't get him started. Don't get Scott started on the Dallas RPG. All right. Ooh. So I think, I think, you know, I'm, I'm feeling it now that uh, we need to put it to the audience for some kind of vote. So if you feel that Lovecraft stories. Would well, make what? Hold on. Hold can, on. Can we have it be who won the debate rather than like, whether oh. you agree? Oh, right. Derailed. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Who won the debate? Are I you want. Feeling, are you feeling? I want to be counted. <laughs> are you feeling confident? No. No. I switch sides. <laughs> Accidentally, wow. just because I disagree with Murph all the time. So. <laughs> all right. Um, so if you feel that uh, Scott. And I, I think Mr. Mike Mason put forward the strongest <laughs> argument in favor of Lovecraft stories making great Call of Cthulhu scenarios. Then give us your cheers. I, 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 I don't think we need to do any more. That, uh, that obviously carries it. Right. Well, well, I do believe. But what about with 
pretty much the rest of the panel, that they would make pretty dreadful scenarios. <laughs> that, that needle buried. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jen, what, which side won that? I think that those that say it would be a terrible idea. Oh, the terribles have it. All right. We won one. You won that one? You won one? Did you? We won one. Yeah, okay. Well, if he stays true to form, Murph's going to win them all. The the wheels of podcast are going to move on now, and I'm going to hand over to Keeper John, who is going to chair the next topic. And I'll just let you know, that was one of our more, ser- more serious ones. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> do you need the hammer of justice? Uh, I do, I do, because I'm next to Murph. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so for our next topic, uh, we will be debating, oh, and you know what, I don't know who's on what team here. Yeah, can um, you did you write Oh, I know what I'm on. I know the, I know I, the I, answer I, to this one, at least. Did you? I, I prepared. All right. Oh, <laughs> oh nice. Oh, my God, are you blind? I prepared it. I prepared badly. <laughs> Do you have a written right. statement you'd like to read out ahead of time? What is yeah. the deal? With that? Uh, okay, good. Four against, right? Yes, right here. Good. Oh, I, okay. This one's easy. Yeah, <laughs> easy yeah. to figure out. Sometimes, who. keepers, you just have to fudge dice rolls. True or false? Are you for or against? So, the panel will have uh, Matt and Murph arguing for you do need to fudge dice rolls, while against it shall be Chad. And Scott and Paul. We shall start with the pro dice fudging. Oh, yeah, that's true. Keeper Murph, kick us off. Okay, so if you're playing as a keeper, I really think that the whole point of playing this game is to make sure that everyone at your table has fun. And there are occasions, and I'm not saying we do it all the time, (laughs) but there are occasions that come along where certain dice rolls that the keeper will make does not benefit the group as a whole. And I don't mean to their favor, I mean just as the feel of play regarding the entire thing. Because I'm, you're there. That's the only reason why. I'll look at Magnus instead. But uh, So I think that every once in a while you have to at least fudge a roll sometimes to make the, the group experience better. And I'm not saying we do it all the time. I'm not saying I do it every single dice roll because I don't. But if I feel it needs to be done, then I will. And sometimes I don't fudge dice rolls, I, f- I fudge targets, just so that people are aware. It's just as easy to, same thing. All right, all right. Uh, Matt, do you have anything you want to add? Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, as anyone will know who's played a game with me, dice hate me. <laughs> and there's certain, uh, almost an obligation, I'd say, on the part of the Keeper to have a game um, at least emulate the style of the mythos in the way that you would see it in fiction. If I let it decide, uh, my dice decide that, you'd have every cultist is a member of the Marx Brothers, and you would have every monster has got the same luck as Wiley E. Coyote. So, no, dice hate me and do not allow you to emulate the story you wish to put across in the right style. Paul had to buy me a devil's dice trap with a little inscription on there that says, if your dice consistently roll against you, they may be possessed by a devil. Yes, mine are. I need help. So if I have to fudge it behind um, behind a nice little uh, GM screen, I will. Who's the wiser? And you get a much better story rather than a um, Looney Tunes cartoon. Very well put. I like that. It's very nice. Uh, so arguing against staying true to the gods of randomness, let's start with Mr. Dorward. Well, I'd say the biggest argument, particularly in Call of Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu is a horror game, and horror largely comes out of tension, anticipation. And I find there are few tools as effective for building that sense of anticipation as giving some indication to the players of what horrible thing will happen if a dice roll passes or fails, and then rolling those dice in front of them. You know, it, it is, it's like bringing down divine vengeance upon them. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I think fudging, you, fudging rolls robs you of that, that vital tool. And also, I'm, Fundamentally, you know, it's a role-playing game. It's not storytelling. This isn't you following what the keeper's doing. It's meant to have that ebb and flow of randomness. It's meant to have that that creative spark that comes from the unexpected. And fudging dice rolls robs you of all that good stuff. You're you're just hurting yourself, really. 
Very well put. Paul. Okay, I can't help but think that uh, Keeper Murph and Matt are letting like fun influence their <laughs> decisions on gaming. There should um, be no fun in gaming. <laughs> That's Paul's official stance. That, that is my stance. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but when you are, you know, calling for a dice roll as a as a GM, I think the temptation to fudge it is because the characters are going to die before you want them to. So I think. It's not always about death. So the obvious one, I mean, combat is, you know, an obvious one, but another one is like climb rolls. So, oh, you failed your climb roll. The old default was like, oh, you fall to your death. You take, oh, how many dice? It was a hundred feet climb. Well, that'll be like 10d6. Oh, oh, wow, you're dead. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> but you can inconvenience them in other ways. You know, you can just say, well, you failed the roll. You can't even get a handhold. You know, you're about three foot off the ground and you can't get any further or you, or you're, Ten foot up and you're stuck, or you know you drop that that old tome out of your pocket, it just clatters down the cliff into the ocean. So you can hit them with something else aside from death. Be creative, and go with the dice rolls. Be creative and go with the dice rolls. Oh wait, can, can I go now? Yes. You okay, so, keep a chat. All right. So first of all, when you have fudged a dice roll, you have made a mistake. You're correcting a mistake and correcting course. So the better way is to avoid a mistake in the first place. Don't don't mess up. Don't call for a roll that you can't deal with the the consequences of. Either way, don't put a fork in the road if you know where you're going. So uh, and also, just be honest with your players. Just be honest. If you're going to fudge dice rolls, say let's consult the oracle to determine what I wanted to do in the first place, and let's do what I want to do. And when you say that you want your game to be better, what you mean is you want your game to be better. You want your game to your story to be told. I don't agree with that model of GMing. I think it's a collaborative effort. We're all in the writers' room, and we're all telling a story. It's just a division of labor. Um, also, you talked about the. You, oh, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> self-censorship. I do love a good. timer on chat. Yeah, that's rebuttal. Good. There's time for rebuttal. So. That was good, Keep Chad. And I think Keep Chad may have forgotten that this was one of the lighter topics. Uh, <laughs> but that's all right. That's all right. That'll, the pills will settle in soon. Um, so for rebuttal, I'd like to give it to the audience. And, uh, and let's kind of hear if there's uh, uh, arguments for or against. Anybody feel strongly? Yes, you in the back. It's a cold, uncaring world. Don't. Cold, Don't. uncaring world. Don't do, do it. Not. The dice do not care about you. It is not true that they hate you. Oh, no, they do. Oh. Oscar in the back. <laughs> President Oscar Rios. Never let a dice roll get in the way of a good narrative. Oh, there you go, right dice roll. Your good narrative. Whose narrative. good narrative? If I want to <laughs> consult the oracle. Just that, that serves the players having a good time. Right. Yes. Well, but you're deciding what their good time is if you are making the decisions about what the oracle will say when you consult an oracle that is meant to be random. We've got Ian up here in the front row. <laughs> Ian. I'm a strong advocate of open rolls and not using a keeper screen because in that instance you can't fudge those rolls and the keeper takes a much more active role and has to contextualize those rolls in a way that keeps the narrative going and keeps it interesting for the player. So you, you got to do your homework. You have to be more engaged with the game, and I think that's where the role keeper comes in. Do you remember how I said I fudge my targets? <laughs> well, yeah, there are. That's fudging targets is a different thing. That's not fudging rolls at all. Some would argue, but still, you can move all kinds of things. You can engage the mechanic or not engage the mechanic. You can make a house rule on the fly if oh, you want. But that, when you consult the or oracle, you are agreeing as a group. Let's all let's all consult the oracle and go with what it says. I'm sorry, Chad. That is pure sophistry. <laughs> <laughs> Sean. Yeah, there's a clear conflict of interest here, Mr. Hook. Last night in a four-hour game, killed my character two hours in. <laughs> going with dice rolls. Wow. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes, I did. Oh. Yes. That's that might be why he's moderating. You, you realize I, I did not take a side on this. I'm just moderating. But you can you can survive 16 points of damage, right? <laughs> one last one. We got Tristan in the back. Yes. So, Chad, if you're picking frog instead of rolling on like a random encounter table, is that fudging dice? Because I said. No, you're making a different mechanic, which is that I'm going to choose what happens. If I rolled and then changed my mind, that would be a mistake, and then it, uh, you would make the decision to fudge or not fudge based on your ethics. I would like to say that I rarely fudge a dice roll that involves a character death. 
as one of the yeah, right. Before. Actually, I, think I will kill on a moment's notice. I have no problem. <laughs> right, doing right. That. Yeah, yeah. I support yeah. that. Right. Yep. All right. Uh, so, audience, by round of applause, do you support fudging dice? The argument to fudge dice? No, no, no. Do you, who won the debate? Who oh, won the who debate? Won the debate? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Did the team that does not include Chad win? <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't know what team that what? was. I don't either. I'm confused. <laughs> That's a resounding no. Chad likes to fudge. So does no, no. <laughs> no. No. Chad I'm fine with it. Are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> Hear what happens when we let these guys take over. I'm sorry. The, come on. You can do it. <laughs> roll the dice. Find yeah. Let's, let's, let's have a roll. Better yet, I'll I roll won. the dice and we'll find Has out. Someone got some dice. Jen's got dice right here. Oh, are we rolling <laughs> dice? Okay. Okay. Yeah. What's the chance that what's the chance that fudging dice wins? Eighty percent. Eighty percent. Eighty percent. We'll go with that. Can I no roll? Dice. Okay. <laughs> no dice. <laughs> Sound of one hand clapping. All right. I definitely believe that we won that one. Just I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Do we get? We, we don't get the cheers for well, the other no, side. Chad should support this because we're just choosing. Right. Right? <laughs> no! No! Well, there was a chart, and you just, we just You're punching my head! <laughs> I call to order. Time to move on to the next uh, topic. Okay. Oh, and that's... That's you. No, yeah, but we'll Dan. It's Dan. All right, so you'll notice that somebody's not here. Keeper Dan is unable to join us this year, and this is a great shame. Keeper Dan, I think, was instrumental in setting up the Miskatonic University podcast, looking at these guys for a nod. The Genesis and, was his idea. And in turn, that was instrumental in us setting up our show. So we want to say thank you to Keeper Dan. Now, how do we say thank you? We know how to say thank you. I told you they'd love this shit. All right, right. So... Now, now we've suffered for our art, and now it's your turn, as Neil has said. Yeah. Right. So, yes, you do. So I'm going to lead you in a chant to uh, to keep a Chad. We're going to. This is how the th- to keep it down. Okay. Yeah. No. Screw that guy. We want. Yeah. So this is how we do it. Me, Matt, and Scott are in my spare room upstairs. And every time, Mike will pay witness to this, every time we kind of come to do a thank you song to one of our patrons, we have a big debate how to do it, and then we just, like, chant their name and (laughs) shout weird shit. So what I want you to do, we're going to have, like, a practice now. So it's going to be Keeper Dan. Are we going to do it three times, escalating in volume? On the fifth one, when I raise my hands and put my hands out like that, you're just going to go crazy and scream Keeper Dan. All right? So, you ready? So, ready? First one. There is no four. Keeper Dan. Thank you. Thank you, Keeper Dan. have some more serious debate <laughs> oh yes that was weird super yeah. serious next topic <laughs> oh is that me sure all is. right next topic is up for discussion whether an army of deep ones would beat an army of migo army the of hard deep ones versus an army of migo who would win all right, so on the migo side uh, please begin I'll start on my left with John Science. 
Mikos have science. Uh, I think that's the thing that's going to be much more uh, powerful than the uh, spears and whatnot that uh, and the claws. Who needs that? You want science? You want you want you know frost rays and 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 lightning guns and brain canisters. You want science? So Migo. All right, and Murph. I'm of the same opinion, actually. I don't think that uh, the deep ones have the technological sophistication with which to uh, defeat Amigo attack. And deep ones in brain canisters sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, who else over there? Matt, Matt please. Yeah. Um, I think we all are of the same mind uh, when it comes to tech being uh, the winner here. You've got your fishmen running around with tridents or flying fungus with advanced technology. Death from above! Nuke the oceans! You can only survive so long down there before you become calamari. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. Well, cede the time to the other side. I think the Deep Ones have a lot of time to build an argument. Um, Paul, could you start out? I want to be under the sea in an octopus's garden with you. So the Deep Ones are like, they're our, you know, they're our close relatives. They're our brothers. We should be supporting the deep ones. This isn't really about who's going to win. This is who we want to win. <laughs> At the end of The Shadow of Rinsmouth, Robert Olmsted is like, you know, he's reconsidering his life. And he's thinking, mm. actually, going down there to Yanethle, that's pretty glorious. That's pretty fantastic, right? And, and I'm kind of with him at the end of the story. I'm thinking, yeah, I want to go down there too. That sounds great. We don't want one of these Mego. I mean, nobody wrote a song about I want to be on the cold, dead planet of Yogoth, like, suffering. <laughs> Who wants that? that? No, that's... And also, like, let's just think who they've got on their side. So they're going to call up Mother Hydra, Father Dagon, and, you know, back down there in reserves, I think we got somebody in that dead city yeah, sleeping. We can wake him up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and even if they don't wake him up, I mean, his dreams will be enough to, to inspire them to victory. I mean, they're, I mean, your side, they're all in brain canisters as well. I mean, we'll be in brain canisters if the Migo win. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's my argument. <laughs> oh, yeah, carry on, Scott. Well, I, I think there are two other important points. I mean, one of which is it depends where the battle takes place, because if it's on the Deep One's home turf, have you ever seen what happens when an insect falls in the water? Yeah, I mean, yeah you just see all these wriggling little mego on the surface of the sea, like dying flies. It'd be glorious. Um, <laughs> But also, yeah, I mean, for all the arguments about the power of technology over magic, I, I'm, I'm sorry, you've got that ass about face. The deep ones have got access to the most powerful of sorceries. They can cast attract fish. All bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've got 45 seconds to respond to that. <laughs> yeah, but when or does a track fish go right? I'm <laughs> <laughs> just going to say the Migo don't need their mom and dad to back them up. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think oh. Paul's response or, or argument was that the meat or the deep ones have to conscript the humans to fight for them to win that battle, which mm-hmm. seems weak as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All yeah, right, free for all. Just yeah, you know, respond as you want now. Rebuttals. Grievances. All right. And, and the audience, uh, any points to bring up for in favor of Migo? There's no water on Yogurt, so they want the Migo can just retreat back there whenever they want. They're not getting stormed there, so they've got a base operation. Yeah, but that's not a fight. That's just them running away and hiding. That's, 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 that's not a battle. That's a tactical retreat to a valid option. <laughs> like, that's different than hiding. That's, that's different than that. <laughs> Anyone have an argument in favor of the uh, deep ones? Yeah. Yes? Awesome. Numbers. Numbers. Uh, a few hundred operative MIGO on Earth, and there are probably hundreds of thousands of deep ones under the ocean. And time. Deep ones are effectively immortal. They can play a long game. There you go. Yeah. All right. Good point. Over here. Uh, deep ones also have shock off as allies, and look what happens to the other things. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh. yes. 
It's all on our side. It's too bad no one up here mentioned that. No, that's a shame. Yeah, I, 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 I'm beginning to feel sorry for the Mego now. It doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, that's count, but thank you for your input. Yeah. All right, I think we go to decision time. Mm. All right, uh, those of you who think the Mego in favor of Mego won the debate, uh, make some noise. Team Mego. All right. All right. Team Deep Ones. Overwhelming. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, <laughs> will be handed out as you exit the door. <laughs> feel betrayed. All right, and then our next topic I am actually also adjudicating. It is the question of, proposition is, historical scenarios are better than modern or contemporary scenarios. In favor is... <laughs> <laughs> Is you want me to read this? What is this? Like, what is this? It's called English, Chad. <laughs> uh, who's in favor? Yeah, it's up there. I, I, okay. I, think, I think it's the same no, people, isn't it? Well, I'm, not, I'm stepping out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Matt and John will be uh, yeah. for the proposition historical scenarios are much better or better than modern or contemporary scenarios. And against will be Scott. And Paul, who's circled, and Murph. So, let's start with proposition. Uh, Matt, would you like to begin yeah. talking about why history is better than the present? Mm -hmm. I think for this you have to define what is better and in what context you mean better. Modern, certainly they're easier to run. There's most of the time you don't, don't need to explain the world. It's what you see around you. Hey, go figure. That, that needs explanation, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, historical, though, for at least on the keeper's side, yeah, you're looking at shitload of research to write scenarios, then explain to the keeper, that then explains to the players, and it creates a much more evocative setting. If we think about some examples like Horror on the Orient Express, it'd be a bit difficult to run it in a modern, uh, modern setting, because, A, the train doesn't go to Constantinople, uh, or Istanbul, but that's nobody's business but the Turks. Uh, <laughs> but, again, it doesn't even run the whole way. You can't do certain games in a modern setting. They work much more in a proper evocative historical setting for me. Um, also, you've got the problem with think, thinking of horror again. Where, where is that Shun Mosque, Google Earth? Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. There's no winding, labyrinthine mystery of streets. It just takes away a lot of the fun. There's, there's just that lack of technology in modern scenarios that you have too many tropes like, oh, look, your cell phone doesn't work again, hey? Hey? But in the 1920s, what cell phone? Yeah. So it's also a long-time argument here comes back more directly to Lovecraft stories and their setting. So, I rest my case. I wholeheartedly agree. One of the things that I find uh, exciting about having historical settings is uh, is the isolation. You know, uh, in today's world, things are, the world is smaller. Uh, we can reach out and touch someone uh, around the globe with their cell phone. Uh, but in in the historical settings, it's it's you know, normally it's just your little community. Um, sometimes the, the, not every house had a phone. Uh, and it's just, I like the isolation and also, uh, the, the, you know, safety rules were different. Cars didn't have the seat belts, right? I mean, you know, so if you're going to get into a car chase historically and there's a crash, it could be much more horrific than a, uh, current one with, uh, safety airbags on the side. And I think I'm done. All right, so uh, ripping apart the assertion that historical scenarios are better than modern or contemporary scenarios will be, yes, uh, Scott, Paul, and Murph. We will start with Murph. Oh. Or we'll start with Paul. <laughs> Paul. Okay, uh, so based on no statistical research, I will assert <laughs> that... Most horror films are based in the modern day. Now, let's ask ourselves why that is. Oh, it's because we live in the modern day. And that's, you know, we can relate to that. That's, that's, I don't, there's no buy-in required, you know. We, we live in the modern day and, you know, there are horrible things hiding under the bed. So it's, that's, that's kind of an easy thing to buy into. And, you know, my friend here, Matt, he loves the research, but, as just a, a regular keeper plotting your own scenario, how easy is it just to set it in your own town in the modern day? Or, you know, that's so much easier for me to create the scenario and so much easier for my players to buy into. 
Well, I think not just buy into. It's the fact that that degree of familiarity makes the fear more accessible, that it makes it easier to relate to your own personal fears. You know, if you get scared walking down that dark back street at night after the game, then visualizing that as opposed to, you know, some back street in, you know, Constantinople in the 1920s is going to be a much more immediate experience. And also, you know, th- th- this idea of communications uh, under, you know, undermining the horror. Well, one of Lovecraft's most effective stories, the statement of Randolph Carter, relies entirely on that, that line of communication. Having someone on the other end of a cell phone isn't going to save you. It's just going to mean that there are going to be more witnesses to your death. Uh, and, uh, and also, I just want to pick you up on something, Matt. You were saying that uh, yeah, the, uh, historical games are good because that makes them more like Lovecraft stories, which a few moments ago you were arguing are inherently bad for gaming. <laughs> I said some. I gave you an example saying the Dunwich Horror was a good scenario. <laughs> and Murph, bringing up the... I, I agree with what they've already... <laughs> You're not going to do it, no? Yeah, I agree with what they've said, and, and to just expound on that, I think that for new players coming into the into the game itself, it's easier for them to relate with a modern scenario than it is into the 1920s. You might not have any buy-in in the 1920s to build on what they were saying as well. The um, the idea that of the isolation that John brought up, I find that more as a challenge for a keeper to find that those spots of isolation in a modern scenario as opposed to in the 1920s. And the, it just makes it more horrific in general because you know that you should be connected. And if you isolate them in that manner, the player themselves feel it, it, it impacts them more than it does if you're in the 20s and you're just out in the middle of a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Well, Okay, it doesn't, it doesn't hit the same way. They can't relate as well. All right, and we are, oh. Oops. <laughs> Strike nine seconds, if you, whatever, nine seconds, pretend you didn't hear that. Um, so now is free for all time uh, for the panelists to uh, discuss back and forth, but also does anyone have a, a statement in favor of historical scenarios are better than modern or contemporary? I would argue that the historical setting works better for I would like to reiterate the fact that the motion is that historical scenarios are better than modern day scenarios. Is that really true? But yeah, let's let's take another one from the audience. Oh, okay. Yes. So this is not so much a support of one side or the other, but I do want to note that those that are saying who have said that uh, modern scenarios are better seem to be supporting modern scenarios in familiar locations. But if you were to move a modern scenario to a completely different and unfamiliar location, it would require tons of research. It would require uh, the characters needing to buy in because you mean the, the same kind of tons of research in. we need to do in order to do a historical setting. Exactly. But that's fine. But because that's what I was mentioning about the isolation impact, where you have to do that extra research in order to isolate them. So if you want to take a modern scenario and throw them in the middle of the Amazon, sure, that's fine, but you're still going to end up doing the same amount of research you were going to do if you did it in the 20s. Nothing's really changed. But you have a difference in your, in your player buy-in. Sure. Because now... You might have technology also that you don't have. You might have, like, EPIRBs or something that you can set off and bring help, supposedly. So I, I want to say something in regards to... Uh, historical being better, and the main reason I want to say that is because it goes back to that thing of, of the best kind of fear is fear of the unknown, and when you take modern people and put them back to a, a historical era, they're as unfamiliar as they can probably get, and then when you throw the mythos on top of it, it's even more unsettling, you know what I mean? And that's the kind of mood that I usually like to go to when I'm playing the games that I'm going for, you know? 
know, it's like I want that unsettling feeling. Modern day, if I have something crawling under my bed, I shake my phone and there's a flashlight. Yeah, but then you see it, right? <laughs> Ant back in the back. to move on to our next phase of the podcast and are we going to do this are we going to are we going yeah, to yeah. win yeah you choose huh who's going to oh sorry sorry yes yes of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, we won we right i know i know no, i know now, now you're a moderator it doesn't matter <laughs> no, we, we, know that we won now that chad is well, not fine 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 okay so uh, for those of you who support the assertion historical scenarios are better than modern could you make some noise no I mean, I mean, who won the debate? <laughs> Too late. Too late. You're one of us now. Uh, I'm going to do it again. Who won the debate on the side of historical scenarios are better? It's less. It's less. It's less. Yeah. Um, and who would be on the side, who would uh, reject the idea that historical scenarios are better? Who won that debate? Oh. Oh, did I did. I did it again. Because it's, it's a bad. bad idea. It's all right. We won. It's no big deal. Damn it. Okay. Uh, the next phase. So we're going to ask? Yeah? You saying no? All right. Yes, we are. Just made a decision. Okay. So uh, would anyone like to shout out a d random debate topic for the panelists to uh, debate? Oh, that's what I was going to go with. And that's your adjudicating. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no you're adjudicating. I'll adjudicate. Yeah, yeah. I promise calls, Chad. You learn. Oh, shoot. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, yeah, let me get out of that. <laughs> uh, so we hear cults. Anybody else have a more different idea? Armitage, hero or villain. Armitage, hero or villain. Was oh, that that's you? a good one. Somebody yeah. said that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Somebody, was it you? Yeah, yeah. Armitage, hero or villain? Anyone that's read the Necronomicon is generally a bad guy. So that's, not, that's a no-brainer there. <laughs> Do you have a strong opinion on that? Uh, no, I'm adjudicating. No, I'm... Okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, so, yeah, we'll do, should we do uh, Armitage? Yes, Ar yeah, yeah, yeah. adjudicating. Okay. Yes. Okay, we'll Armitage, start. on the table. Okay. Uh, so let's go down the line. Matt, uh, have we, do you have any other mm -hmm. additional words? Yeah, how the hell did he have so much sand to remain employable after reading that thing? Something's going on there that's dark <laughs> and horrible. Nice. Scott? Yeah, I think there was something, I, I don't know, there, something unpleasant about the way that he comes into this backwards community and sort of says, you know, I know everything, you know nothing about the place in which you live, you know, you, you now follow me. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, anyone who does that I think is inherently an untrustworthy person. So I'm hearing two, uh, Armitage is a bad guy, Paul. I like him. Well. <laughs> you don't like anyone, Paul. Any, I like any, him, though. Anything specific? <laughs> Would you like to expand Well, on you that? know, he's got the powder of Ibn Ghazi, and he, he, like, throws it over, you know, the, the monster, and we can all see it, and, and, you know, they defeat him up on the hill. He's like a Cthulhu investigator. He's... I'm on the side of the Cthulhu investigators. They're not bad guys. There we Are go. They? <laughs> Are they the bad guys? <laughs> they got skulls on the caps. Keeper Chad. Uh, I would say villain. It's so clear that uh, he read the Necronomicon and then he still left it in public access. And so many people have read it. It's probably a plan uh, to spread the mythos knowledge and uh, let the old ones rise. Uh, I would say there's a direct evidence against that, but I will go on to... Oh, I'm, I'm going to say villain as well. I think there's something shady <laughs> yeah, with the guy. Yeah, nice. There's definitely something up with him. 
Yeah, but, right. did, but once you weigh in, once you weigh but in, didn't he also deny Wilbur Waitley to get access? Yeah, but so he let every he's deciding other who gets dude. to know and who does not get to know. Mm, every he, he other spread, person yeah. gets to see it. He spread the word around like, "Don't let the guy with the goat face come and read the book." <laughs> I mean, that seems like <laughs> just common knowledge, though. That's not like a giant. Right? Dis- the demon guy. Don't let him read that book. Okay. John, he also said that dog mold on the way to death. So. Yeah, well, he wasn't Evans. there to stop the dog. Or was he? Or maybe he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a little blurry, yeah. maybe. Okay, so, uh, audience, uh, is, uh, is uh, Dr. Armitage a bad guy? Yes, is Dr. Armitage the hero of Arkham? You're all cultists. As you all fooled. Single-handedly. Man, I know the truth. Uh, I, that was fun. Let's do another one. Anybody have another topic? Oh, Wilbur okay. Waitley versus Harry Potter. <laughs> Wilbur Waitley versus... All right. Quickly, bullet round. Wilbur Waitley ver, uh, and Harry Potter. Matt. Uh, uh, my Tiff, love, uh, Tiff loves Harry Potter, so how can I not go with the little brat with the scar? Oh, there we go. Scott. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, for, for, for all his size, apparently Wilbur Waitley was pretty fragile if a dog killed him. So, <laughs> yeah, my, my Monday's on the boy wizard. Paul? <laughs> Yeah, I want to see the film with Wilbur at uh, Hogwarts. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, Wilbur has darker spells. Oh, Murph. He's the glass, yeah, Potter all the way. Potter all the way. All right, yeah. Team Potter, here we go. Mm-hmm. All right, good. All right, so this is the last one. All We're right. ahead of time, so. Well, it's efficiency, right? Yeah. So uh, our last topic is another weighty one, <laughs> and, uh, you know, is it ties? Is it though? What are you saying? It ties very closely into you know the themes of the convention, and it is this: August Derleth was the best thing that happened to the Cthulhu mythos. Oh, <laughs> the hissing! Oh. Did you hear the hissing? <laughs> wow! I, I'm just moderating. Don't <laughs> hate on me. All right. So uh, those speaking for the motion would be Keeper John, Matt, and Keeper Murph. So let's get them. Rolling. All right. So, uh, can I invite you, Matt, to, uh, to speak on that? <laughs> sure. Well, number one, he birthed the term Cthulhu Mythos. It rolls a hell of a lot better off the tongue than Yugsoth. <laughs> yeah. Um, two, he founded Arkham House. He kept Lovecraft's worth in, work in print. Otherwise, he'd be still potentially confined to the pages of Weird Tales because there was little interest from major publishers in picking him up. Uh, three, his posthumous collaborations led to inspiration behind the Star Tree debate. So we all have that for a fun bit from Shrug Off on the Roof. Um, four, he encouraged and guided Ramsey Campbell during the early part of his career. So we got some great antagonists like Yugolanak, Glacky. We have some wonderful work that's come from Campbell. And Brian Lumley cites him as an importance uh, <laughs> when it comes to his own Lovecraftian work. So the guy's not perfect, but the good outweighs the bad there. Do you want to build on that, John? Yeah, uh, uh, August Erleth kept Lovecraft's works and his name alive and i and i i don't think there's any denying that without uh august august influence we would have probably lost or greatly lost uh lovecraft's work um yeah i think that's that goes without saying you have anything to add there Murph? i think i I agree with what everyone said so far and then in addition to that he added a structure to the mythos that wasn't there previously so he he aspected it one way or the other and while you might not like that idea what it did allow us was uh it it allowed call cthulhu itself to be better structured when it first came out it allowed things to be categorized into well hold on hold on i've got to we we come from a long way away here, but don't you guys have freedom of speech, Chad? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, and the solution to speech you don't agree with is more speech, and it sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs> so please please continue. Oh, that's that's good. I'm good. I, I don't want to infuriate right. Chad any longer. Why not? He has a heart condition. That's kind of what the job is. That's what yeah. that's what the job is right now. Come on. Okay. Well, 
Chad is champing at the bit. Before, but before him, I'm going to let, Mr. you know, because he's, no, he's like it's brewing fine. it up. So, Mr. Dorwood, what's your opinion on uh, August Derleth being well, the best thing to happen to the mythos? I, I, I think my colleagues here have made some fairly good points. But as a counter-argument, I would propose that Derleth was a bit shit. Um, <laughs> that I, he was a terrible prose, or at least his early stuff, his, and, and some of his posthumous collaborations, are just terrible in terms of being stories, in terms of the prose. But... I mean, going beyond that, yes, he did add a structure to the Cthulhu mythos. He added all these elemental associations. He added a sense of morality. He imposed his own Christian morality upon it. He turned it into a war of good versus evil. None of this stuff fits. I mean, the whole idea of running around with elder signs like crucifixes, like some kind of fucking hammer film, is just antithetical to everything that makes the mythos work. And, oh, did you have something to say, Chad? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, the best thing that happened to the Cthulhu mythos can't be August Derleth because the best thing that happened to the Cthulhu mythos is happening right now. The, <laughs> we don't need to go back into history. We don't need to find some wannabe taxonomical geek in his little room with putting uh, pins in a cork board and naming things and putting them in boxes. We Right now is the time. Now is the time to reinvent, to... to uh, <laughs> probe and twist and, and take the problems and, and turn them into crawlers and, and, and <laughs> celestial bodies flying through the air and, and the, the time right and also geek culture would have discovered Lovecraft anyway yeah. mm-hmm. it discovers everything it's, uh, it's ubiquitous it is hungry for uh, pulp authors and it would have eventually emerged so I, I totally summarily reject the idea that August Derleth would have been or that, that he's the only savior of uh, works of the past. And anyway, the time is now. The time is to twist and reinvent. The primordial levies have broken. The time is now. The best thing that's happened to the Cthulhu mythos is you! (laughs) I mean, can anybody on the panel say anything against that? I stand mute. Uh, Oh, but Scott's point. Hell, I'd watch a hammer film of people running around with elder signs as crucifixes. What the hell? That's not bad. I, I, I have never been more disappointed in you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just go for a vote on that one? Let's just go for the know, vote. With the weight of your argument there. I mean, <laughs> wow. So those who think, let's have a cheer now, those who think August Derleth was the best thing to happen to the mythos, let's have a cheer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wait, did I hear something? <laughs> because this is an audio podcast, there was a silent wave. It was like being at the sta- at the stadium. It was awesome. Did, did the mics translate did on? Did audio. the mics drop out there? Should we just do that again? <laughs> those who think it was the best thing to happen to the mythos, now. Yes. <laughs> what does that guy know? All right. So, does anybody else have? Okay. So. Those who think it was the worst thing to happen to the Cthulhu mythos. Well, that's not. Whoa, well, wait. That's no, 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 no. He was not the best thing. Have I twisted it? <laughs> yeah, you yes. Did. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Different. Even I wouldn't argue that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he was not the best thing to happen to the Cthulhu mythos. Yeah. Well, that was cool. I think it's ambiguous. <laughs> the jury is out. We'll right? call that one a draw. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll echo into that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming to our seminar. I mean, we've really come here for all of you guys. We wouldn't be doing these shows without all of you folks listening. So, you know, we want to we wanna say a big thank you to all of you for attending and for listening to the, to the show. So, uh, until next time, it's... Uh, well, should we go along the row? Eh? It's a farewell from me. A cheerio from me. A goodbye from me. <laughs> there's a lot of different ways you can yep. get in touch with us. There's a Discord <laughs> server, and there's a link in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> you can email us at uh, mu-podcast.com. No, that's no not it. <laughs> Again, you've messed this up. I know. Yeah. I don't have a script. Yes. Oh, know. yes. Right. Thank you. Class is dismissed. There you go.
The Call of Cthulhu role-playing game is property of Chaosium, Inc. Hello? The written works of H.P. Lovecraft are held in the United States public domain. BlasphemousTomes.com Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Keeper Dan. Thank you. Thank you, Keeper Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ready? First yeah. one? There is no four. Okay. <laughs> Keeper Dan. Keep her down! Keep her down! What? <laughs> this is what happened! It was five times! Oh, you said three you and said then three. said five! Did you I say three? three? You said three! <laughs> this you said this three, isn't three, part three. of the debate! Okay, so five it's five times! times. Okay. This, this is why Multiple we practice. Times. It's never is this. It, is it three or is it five? Unless five. We, or is it five? <laughs> Are we doing three and then on the four? Not four. Six is right out. We go five and then on the six. First thing to determine, can we all count up to five? Oh, fuck. Right. (laughs) One, two, five. Let's do it. Keep Keep her Dan. Keep her Dan. Keep her Dan. Keep her Dan. Keep her Dan.